Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering of Samanach Baptist Church. We gather together online for the purpose of looking into the scriptures to be formed as disciples of Jesus. My name is David Johnson. I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Samanach Baptist Church. We gather together in person each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thank you so much for joining me online. I would love to have you join us in person. Um, where we gather at 315 East North Street every Sunday at 10 a.m., except next Sunday. Next Sunday, August 15th, we're going to be having a cooperative worship gathering with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. We're going to gather together for a time of coffee and donut fellowship at 1015, and then we are going to gather together to worship here in the sanctuary at 11 a.m., so, <clears throat> Samanach Baptist family, keep in mind those are different times than what we're used to, but I think we can get the word out, 1015 Coffee and Donut Fellowship, and then 11 a.m. gathering together to worship. This online gathering is called together by a reading from Psalm 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is God's word. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you in the words of the psalmist, confessing to you that many of us, all of us, come to you out of depths, the depths of the fallenness of this world, the depths of different anxieties, the depths of different discouragements, the depths of a difficult week, the depths of those things that we are not yet able to name. We come to you marked by our iniquities, but we come to you because you are the God who doesn't mark our iniquities. You are a God who calls us to revere you because with you there is forgiveness of sins. With you there is great power to redeem. With you there is steadfast love. 
So because of the promise of forgiveness, because of the promise of your steadfast love, because of your power to redeem, we ask you to grant to us, Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our reading from the Gospels today comes from Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before the king, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is God's word. Would you pray together with me, please, one more time? Almighty God, for the sake of your Son, King Jesus, we ask you to show us the beauty and horror of the sacrifice of God himself in the humanity of his Son, enduring in his own flesh the cost of forgiveness. Lord Jesus, help us to believe. 
Help us to believe that there is no sin that is beyond the forgiving reach of Christ on the cross. So Lord Jesus, as the one who suffered for us, we ask you to be our Lord and King and Shepherd this day, speaking to us healing words of forgiveness because the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer, and all of us said together, amen. I'd like to read to you now from the epistles, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 25, through chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood. Let us all, all of us, speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is God's word. The title of my message this morning is When the Church Disappoints. During this series, during this season, we are asking King Jesus to to plant something new within the congregation that we know as Samanach Baptist Church. We discussed last week about how in order for us to, to reap the harvest of what Jesus wants to plant here at SBC, we've got to have clarity about a couple of things. We talked last week about having clarity on the gospel of King Jesus and also having clarity on how um, the church is the community of King Jesus. And we discussed how the community of King Jesus is designed by the Spirit of God to be a foretaste of that coming king and that coming kingdom. Yet what I want us to be honest about today is oftentimes the church falls short as a foretaste of the kingdom of God. We talked last week about Baskin-Robbins ice cream. Do you remember that? Baskin-Robbins, the 31 flavors, and you can't decide whether or not you want vanilla bean or whether or not you want Jamocha almond fudge or cookies and cream or butter pecan or, or some fill in the blank, Neapolitan perhaps. And one of the things that Baskin-Robbins allows us to do is to 
is to ask the server to take one of the little pink spoons and to give us a taste, a small taste, albeit, of each of those flavors so that we can make a decision. Beloved, sometimes the taste of the future that the church gives us tastes more like Crisco than it does ice cream. Oftentimes the church disappoints, and I want us to see in this text from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how King Jesus wants us to respond when the church brings disappointment into our lives. Ed Gavigan experienced in a unique way strong experiences of disappointment. Ed Gavigan had a very disappointing day when he decided to leave his New York apartment and just go for a walk kind of randomly one evening. One evening he ran into a gang that was filled with new initiates and they had been sent to commit murder of someone they did not know. This gang of five young initiates assaulted him, stabbing him with three 10-inch blades over 40 times. Good Samaritans saw this happen, got the ambulance there in almost a record amount of time, and that crew on the ambulance took him to a hospital, and a very, very skilled surgeon saved his life. He had to have two complete blood transfusions. In other words, his entire body was replaced with blood two different times during surgery in order to save his life. This very, very skilled surgeon with an innumerable amount of stitches with an unbelievable amount of skill saved his life. As soon as he woke up, one of the representatives from the hospital came to meet with him and they wanted to discuss with him as hospital executives are, are prone to do, what kind of insurance Ed had. Well, Ed was self-employed, which meant he had zero insurance which then they proceeded to then start to remove him from their care and send him home with very, very minimal instructions, except to come back in two weeks to have his stitches investigated. Well, in the intervening, in the intervening time, he met with his mom and he met with his siblings and they decided to spend the next two weeks out in Wyoming this space where the family had a cabin just to find a way to recover and to reconnect with his family. Well, his sister driving a Honda separately and then him and his brother got into his brother's 1966 GTO. And they began the trip out to Wyoming and Ed could feel just in the peace of that drive with his family things starting to recalibrate. A conversation began between Ed and his brother about what had taken place. And Ed's brother was so interested in what Ed was telling him. As he was driving, he was looking at his brother while his brother told him these stories. Well, as they came up a hill 
and went down the hill, they failed to see that their sister had stopped in the middle of the road to let a herd of antelope cross. They ended up rear-ending in the 66 GTO, their sister's Honda, at 60 miles an hour. Ed was not wearing a seatbelt because the seatbelt hurt the wounds and the stitches, and it was just unbearable. So he proceeded to hit um, hit the, the thing that's there in front of you. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. And then to fly through the windshield 40 yards and land on a road. He thought immediately he had died until he woke up in extreme pain. Still the antelope on the road, his brother and his sister wondering what else could their brother go through. An ambulance showed up with a state trooper. They sent him to Cheyenne, Wyoming to an ER and then sent his siblings to head home for the rest of the evening. Within the span of a couple of days, Ed Gavigan had very disappointing days, days that forever changed his life. I hope that you haven't experienced anything close to what Ed Gavigan experienced, but most of us, if we were to tell our life story, would say that we've had, at one time or another, disappointing days. Have had days that we would perhaps describe as being paramount in our lives with disappointment. How do those in Christ, how do those in whom rather Christ is formed, how do we respond to those days? What's more, how do we respond when the church serves us? Not a foretaste of the coming kingdom, but when the church serves us something very disappointing. I'd like us to see from God's word today two invitations when the church disappoints us. The first is more general. The second is more specific. The first is this. I want us to hear two balancing truths from the story of Scripture. The first truth is this. The kingdom is already and not yet. The kingdom is already and not yet. So we've talked over the past couple of weeks of how the gospel of the kingdom is something we must have clarity on, and the church as the community or the foretaste of that kingdom is something we must have clarity on. But that requires us to understand a little bit more about specifically what the New Testament teaches about the kingdom. One of the most significant things that you and I can understand is that the church in her scriptures, teaches that the kingdom is, on this side of Jesus' first coming, it is already present. In Luke 17, Jesus gives us this truth. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Once, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. So in that text, the kingdom of God is already present. 
Jesus the King has come, and he has brought the kingdom with him. So the kingdom is already, but then in other texts, the kingdom is not yet. Mark 14, 25 is one of those texts. Jesus says to his disciples, truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So this is important for us to keep in mind as we're going to discuss the idea that sometimes the church might disappoint us to keep our bearings when the church does bring disappointment in our lives. When the church isn't a faithful foretaste of the coming kingdom, we've got to remember that the kingdom is not yet in its fullness. We've got to remember that the church has a foot in the age that's passing away and a foot in the age that is to come. So when the church disappoints us, we must remember that that is not an indictment on the kingdom to come. That is um, a revelation that the church is not yet what it is becoming. So the kingdom, one, and again, these are balancing truths for us. The kingdom is already and not yet, which that leads us to a second balancing truth. The church then in its present state, is not a sin-free zone. Now, this is important for us to remember because as we learned last week, the church is supposed to be an embassy of the kingdom to come, but we must have proper expectations. And the New Testament tells us this expectation. The church will not in its present state be a sin-free zone. In Colossians 3, 12 and 13, Jesus' servant Paul says this, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So Colossians, which says in chapter 1, We have been transferred into the kingdom of the Son He loves describes the church as a place where there is going to need to be patience, where there is going to need to be forbearance, where there is going to need to be forgiveness. James, Jesus' brother, says this in James 5, Faithful prayer will rescue the sick person, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have committed any sin, it will be forgiven them. So, speaking to the church, the embassy of the kingdom in this present age, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. When a righteous person prays, that prayer carries great power. So those are two balancing truths that we need to hear. Beloved, the church, beloved church leaders, church members, brothers and sisters in Christ, oftentimes the church will disappoint us, which is when we must remember the kingdom is already not yet. And the church is not yet a sin-free zone. That's the first invitation. The second invitation now comes from Ephesians chapter 4, from our reading from the epistles. And this invitation from this text is going to be to live in the new human community. In this text, Ephesians 4, 25-5-2, Paul invites us to put away what brings division and to put on what brings unity. That's what the church is called to struggle for now. 
to be a people, to be a new humanity, to be a new human community that puts away everything that brings division and puts on what brings unity. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible? Beloved, that's possible because the cross crucified what keeps us divided. To set up a little context, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. He, God, has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity. That's a very important phrase. One new humanity. The Greek term there is kainon anthropon. Say it with me. Kainon anthropon. In English, it's one new humanity. Class, remember that from something we're going to see again in chapter 4. That he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. Beloved, this text says that on the cross, God in Jesus was creating one new human community. And on the cross, that was made possible because the hostility that keeps us divided was crucified. In almost a sacrilegious way, this hope reminds me of that 1993 comedy, Weekend at Bernie's. Are you familiar with this movie? Larry Wilson and Richard Parker are two characters. They have found out of this plan that their boss has to have them killed. That's all the details you need to know. Well, what ends up happening is their boss, Bernie, their boss, Bernie Lomax, has ended up dead. But for some reason, they're wanting to keep him alive. They're wanting to keep the notion of his life still going. So here's a conversation that happens in this 1993 comedy. Larry says to Richard, I have an idea. Richard responds, what? What is it? Larry responds, Lomax, Bernie, Bernie Lomax, told whoever he was talking to not to kill us while he's around. So for some reason, Bernie wants to kill Larry and Richard. Richard responds, yes, but Bernie's dead. He's not around anymore. Yeah, Larry responds, I know that. You know that. But nobody else knows that. Beloved, according to Ephesians 2, not only did Jesus die on the cross, but the hostility that keeps the human community divided was also killed. And what Paul is now teaching us in Ephesians is that the church exists so that the world may know that the hostility that keeps us divided was put to death with Jesus. Now, that's an important understanding. Kainon Anthropon. God created on the cross, having put to death the hostility that keeps the human community divided, God put that to death so that Kainon Anthropon could be created. One new humanity could be created. Now in chapter 4, Paul's going to describe how this Kainon Anthropon lives together. What characterizes the 
kainon anthropon, the, the, the one new human community. So now in our reading, he's going to say, this new human family that the cross created is going to remove certain things and put on certain things. Look at verse 25 with me. So then, putting away falsehood. That calls us all the way back to chapter uh, verse 20. Verse 20, that is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And what, what were you taught? You were taught to clothe yourselves with, my translation says, the new self. Other translations like um, uh, the NIV say something better, the new humanity. Beloved, you know what that is in Greek? My translation has new self. Your translation might have new self or new man. You know what it is? It is chi non anthropon. Clothe yourselves with the new human community created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's now telling the church to live like the new human family that Jesus created in his death. What does that look like? That looks like removing lying and putting on true speech. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak truth to our neighbors for we are members one of another. So what Paul's going to do in our reading, it's like, it's like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Remove something, put something on, and then give us a motivation. First, remove lying. Put on true speech. Why? For we are, in the words of the New American Standard, parts of each other. We are one human community. We belong to each other. We're part of the same organism that Jesus in his death created. Therefore, we must tell the truth to each other. Every Friday, the Associated Press on their website submits this article called Not Real News. And then the subtitle is something like Adventures in What Didn't Happen This Week. And they tell stories about stories that aren't true that became viral through that blessing that we all know as like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On July 23rd, Friday, July 23rd, 2021, in the AP Weekly Report called Not Real News, they told us this story. There was a story about the flooding that was happening in Germany and Belgium. And there was this picture that had gone viral of this BMW that was submerged in water all the way almost up to its roof. Well, this picture that went viral had this sticker on the back windshield that was an anti-Greta Thunberg uh, sticker. Do you know who uh, Greta Thunberg is? She's that Swedish young adult who very much cares about climate change, and she has very, very many sometimes mean and prophetic things to say about the climate crisis in our world. And then what happened is people saw this picture of this BMW submerged in floodwaters with this anti-expletive-ridden Greta Thunberg sticker, 
and then said things like, I guess this must be karma. Well, this picture went viral so much so that the AP News contacted the photographer. His name was David, and they interviewed him, and he said, I have the original photo, and the one that went viral is manipulated. The sticker is fake. Another story, an image circulating on the week of July 23rd, 2021. An image went out that had this um, comment on it. President Joe Biden recently announced that Americans not vaccinated for COVID-19 before 2022 will be sent to quarantine camps until they get their shots. Internet news sites took this and published it and ran it. And the original website that published this is called the Stonk Market. It is a financial satire website. They say every story on our website is satirical. It's pretend. It is a joke. And yet, one news outlet didn't do their research, published the article, and then what happens? All the conspiracy theorist people get on their Instagram accounts, get on their Facebook, get on their Twitter, and share it, and share it, and share it, and it's not even true. Beloved, the Apostle Paul tells us that if we are members of the new human community, we will be a people who put away falsehood, and we will devote ourselves to speaking truth to our neighbors. Beloved, when we spread misinformation, we reveal our lack of faith in the cross. We forget that the hostility that's supposed to keep the world divided was put to death with Jesus. Because when are we most tempted to lie? When we're feeling threatened, when we're feeling hostility. Well, this new human community called the church doesn't live that way. When we trust the cross, we will remove lying. We will put on true speech because we will recognize that we are parts of each other. Verse 28, thieves must give up stealing. Actually, back to verse 27 or 26. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the new human community, says there's basically two things that we need to remove from ourselves. We need to remove greed. We need to remove anger that leads to violence and instead put on generosity and put on speech that helps. Why? Because then we are motivated this, by this desire to share within the new human community. The person who used to be a thief now becomes a, a philanthropist, one who gives resources to those who are in need. As he continues in verses 29 and 30, the thing we're supposed to remove is speech that leads to decay and instead put on speech that extends grace. 
motivated by a desire to not grieve or to not subvert what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our presence. Verse 29, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear, and your words do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. So what are we supposed to remove up until this point? We're supposed to remove lying. We're, most, we're supposed to remove greed and anger. We're supposed to re uh, remove speech that decays. And instead of lying, we're supposed to put on true speech. Instead of greed and anger, we're supposed to put on generosity and words and speech that help removing that speech that decays. We instead, with our words and with our deeds, extend grace. Finally, in 31 and 32, we're supposed to remove harshness and put on gentleness. 31, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And instead, what do we put on? Kindness. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Then what's the motivation? Because we have experienced a divine gentleness forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then in verses 1 to 2 of chapter 5, he's going to summarize these instructions. First, be imitators of God as beloved children. What it all boils down to with our speech, with truth, with gentleness versus harshness, it all boils down to this. We must be a people who imitate the God who loves because as children, we recognize that God dearly loves us. To do that, we must reject the way of enemy making. Again, verses one and two, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Beloved, the world from which we've been delivered thrives on fear, thrives on defensiveness, thrives on antagonism. The church as this new human community doesn't live a life motivated by fear, by defensiveness, by antagonism. David Fitch, a professor at Northern Seminary in Lombard, in a wonderful little book called, listen to this title, The Church of Us Versus Them. The subtitle is Freedom from a Faith that Feeds on Making Enemies. Fitch says this, The church can only sustain its existence via the enemy-making machine by continually making new enemies, creating more fear and desire for vengeance toward an object, Jesus, on the other hand, challenges his disciples to love their enemies, to be with people. The Apostle Paul urged Christians to weep with those who weep. This is the kind of presence God will use to change the world. God will not change the world by us making more enemies and trying to defeat them. No, this is the kind of presence God will use to change the world. But it is ever thwarted by the enemy-making machine. It is only possible by opening up space to be with those we disagree with, 
trusting Jesus as Lord and working among us. Beloved, the cross sets us free to approach all people, even those who've wronged us, not in light of what they took from us, but in light of what God has given us and done for us in Christ. Ed Gavigan, after mostly recovering from a violent stabbing and a car accident, both of which almost took his life, received a call from the New York District Attorney. The DA called him to convince him to make a victim's impact statement at the sentencing of those who tried to take his life. Gavigan tells the story. When I stood up to speak, at first I wanted to choke the blank out of him. He was just a little guy. He didn't even look old enough to buy cigarettes at the gas station. There were no family members on his side of the courtroom. I look at him, and this is what I said. You set out that night to kill somebody you didn't know. And the sentence for murder one, which is what you wanted to do, is 25 years to life in New York State. But I didn't die. Thanks to the ambulance crew, a skilled surgeon, and my own strength and resolve, and an incredible amount of luck, I'm here, alive. Which means that you have to listen to me. It also means that the maximum sentence you can receive is 15 years for attempted murder. But you set out to kill me. So your intention, 25 years to life, is what I think you should be prepared to deal with. And instead, you're only going to deal with 15 years in prison, maximum. And I looked at him. Tears are coming down my eyes. I say, you owe me one. You owe me a favor because one day you're going to walk out of prison 10 years early at least. And he starts to cry. His hands are cuffed behind his back. He starts to slam his face down on the table. On the day you walk out of prison, I want you to remember that you have gotten another chance. You have gotten another 10 years handed to you just like I got another chance at my life. And I expect you to remember today and to make the best of that chance. And I will too. Let us pray. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Secure in your forgiving love, we confess our sins with humility and joy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not spoken the truth in love. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. When Jesus stood in the presence of a humble sinner, he said these words that we are now invited to hear and receive as spoken to us. Neither do I condemn you. Go 
and sin no more. God of grace and glory, you fling the stars into the heaven. You see every sparrow fall. Deepen our trust in the mystery of your power shining through King Jesus that we may live your forgiving and transformative love for the world. In the name of the one who taught us, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this time of online meditation upon the scriptures that we may be formed in our discipleship to King Jesus. I also want to remind you of our in-person gathering next week at Samanach Baptist Church with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. Coffee and donuts at 10.15. We worship at 11. This would be a good time to come back to resume in-person worship. Please join us. But until then, I invite you to receive this final benediction. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in King Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all of us said together, amen. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.